0: Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. From DynastyWeekFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. I'm James the Brain, and this is the Superflex Super Show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I will be hosting this episode on my own. I am James Catulas. I can be found on Twitter at underscore JamesTheBrain. My two usual co-hosts, Travis Rasmussen at Travis NFL. And John Hogue at Superflex Dude are going to be missing this episode, but fret not, Superflex fans, because they will be back, barring anything unforeseen, next week for two glorious episodes. But on this one, I'm going to be flying solo. So what we're going to do this episode, I am going to preview the games that are coming up here for week four. We got a full slate here on week four. Sans a Thursday night game, which was already played. We'll get into that a little bit It's the Minnesota Vikings and the L.A. Rams absolutely tore the house down, scoring a ton of fantasy points. Guys like Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, even Stephon Diggs to a, to a lesser extent, um, all really valuable on Minnesota. What's going on with Delvin Cook, guys? He's not putting up the fantasy points that we were hoping for so far this year. He had a tough matchup against the Rams, though, so that's something to keep our eye on moving forward. And then on the Rams side of the ball, man, they have not played a game outside of L.A. in their stadium. They look great. I mean, that, that offense just clicking on all cylinders. Jared Goff looked fantastic. If you started him, you are in a comfortable lead right now, unless you played against Cooper Cup because, man, that was his main guy, his go-to guy. Even Brandon Cooks put up some good numbers, Robert Woods also, and Todd Gurley. So uh, that offense is putting up numbers, and Thursday we saw a very exciting game, a lot of fun for fantasy owners watching some of their players, some of their big stars put up some good numbers. So that's always fun. Now let's get into the slate of games that are coming up on Sunday. First off, we're going to start with the early games. We're going to start with the Dolphins and the Patriots. For the Dolphins, look, there's a nice matchup here for Ryan Tannehill against a defense giving up the ninth most fantasy points to quarterbacks, which was shredded by Blake Bortles two weeks ago. Since then, the Patriots have lost two starters in their secondary. The Dolphins are covered in pixie dust right now, as the Patriots look worse than they ever have since Brady and Belichick Teamed up in the early 2000s, this seems like it could be the Dolphins' year. And I tell you what, Tannehill is the electric heart of this team right now. And it, honestly, he's a low-key um, uh, MVP candidate after three weeks. I mean, he he's been that good. This team is three and zero, and it's largely because of Ryan Tannehill and uh, some timely defense as well. Tannehill hasn't thrown an interception in two weeks. He's got multiple touchdowns every week so far. My only hesitation with Tannehill is he's only attempted 74 passes, so he's not really lighting it up as far as passing attempts go. It's not even 25 a game. The ceiling's extremely low with six attempts per quarter. So that gives me some pause and some hesitation for fantasy at least. Tannehill still this week is a borderline QB1 and really a safe super flex start if you already have the mountain of points Jared Goff gave you or or even... Uh, Kirk Cousins, for instance. Uh, If you need upside, I'd rather take a chance on guys like Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, and Eli Manning. But the floor and ceiling, I'm starting him over Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and all the other rookie quarterbacks this week. So um, there's definitely some things to like for Ryan Tannehill this week. Kenny Stills is going to get a green light, and that means green light go. He's a mid-level wide receiver, too, against a beat-up secondary in New England. I'm starting him over guys like T.Y. Hilton, Golden Tate, um, giving yellow whites on both Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore. Look, I have a feeling Drake could find himself in RB2 territory this week, but he, he could have to work his way into a more favorable timeshare, because right now, Drake has 30 carries to Gore's 24. Um, it's, it's really, really almost an even split. Um, Gore has a higher yards per carry average so far this season, so... Uh, The split likely continues, though, uh, making them both low-end flex plays. I'll take Austin Eckler and Sonny Michelle over either one of those two options. And I'd rather start Antonio Callaway, a flex, in a PPR league. Now, let's go to the New England side. Tom Brady, 367 yards passing against Jacksonville and Detroit combined. That's right, combined. And now, Josh Gordon gets an emergency start before he's even made it to Chapter 2 of the playbook because the wide receivers are so beat up and inconsistent. Now, as of this podcast, as of this recording, Josh Gordon was questionable, but is expected to play. Um, And it looks like they're going to be throwing him out there before he's probably ready. And now, Brady's got to face a defense that is statistically the toughest he's faced so far. They're third against quarterbacks, fifth overall this defense. There's not much to like here for Brady. At some point, Tom is going to have to uh you know, find one of those vintage games and it would be just like him to do it here in division against the Dolphins uh at home um you know with Gronk and a whole lot of nothing as far as the rest of the pass catchers go. Uh it, it, it's gonna be interesting. It's hard to make a case for Tom Brady. Um I, and and I think Keenum, E.Y. Manning Joe Flacco, those guys are safer starts. But I tell you what, I'd still start Brady over guys like Ryan Tannehill even Ryan Fitzpatrick this week, but don't ask me to defend that call. Look, he's Tom Brady. You're going to have to start him. You drafted him to be a star. He's going to have to start performing like it. Uh, most of the time, you're not going to have a better option on your bench, so you pretty much have to start him. Um, so that's that's basically where we are with that. Look, Josh Gordon, he's a red white. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots end up committed to getting him the ball in the end zone, uh, you know, just to put the league on blast. That's kind of what the New England way, but, Process-wise, if we're using the process, there's no reason to feel okay starting him. He's still learning the playbook. He's running on a bad hamstring, and he's matched up with an emerging shutdown corner in Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard is a... I, I, this guy is a shutdown corner. Um, he started last year, and this year he's been just as impressive, if not even more so. So I, I don't like the matchup there. And just because you know Josh Gordon is going to be thrust into action doesn't mean he's ready to start for your fantasy team. Take a week. Let him have a week um, in a new team, a new atmosphere with a new quarterback and a new offense. Give him a week to kind of learn the nuances and where Brady wants him at what times. James White, however, gets the game script green-white with a lot of check down passes. But Sonny Michel is also interesting this week. It's more of a low-end flex play. I'd give him a yellow-white. Uh, the game script could easily favor Sony Michel. I mean, pretty easily. If the Patriots defense slows down the Dolphins at all, um, you know, they're they're in front of the home crowd, New England jumps out to a decent lead. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that could work out really well for Sony Michel. But uh, it's, it's probably looking like James White is going to be the guy that I would start over the two. James White uh, I have as a high-end running back, too. I'm starting him over guys like David Johnson. I know, I know, but it, it, he, DJ just hasn't performed. I'm starting him over guys like Alex Collins and Matt Bereda. Uh, Sony Michel, he's a strong flex for me. I'm starting him over uh, any of the Packer backs. Any of the Titans' backs, any of the Jets' backs, and uh, the Baltimore wide receivers, and some of the Detroit wide receivers other than Gallaudet. Next, let's go to the next game. The next game we have the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. This one should be fun. Look for Deshaun Watson and the uh, the Texans. Uh, the Colts have been better than you think defensively. They're actually top ten against quarterbacks and second against wide receivers in fantasy points allowed. So when you see that stat, it gives you kind of second, kind of a, a pause there on what you want to do with guys like uh, Deshaun Watson and some of the receiving options for Houston. Um, it, it, the Colts are doing it by pressuring and ultimately sacking the quarterback and. Here comes the worst offensive line in the league right now. Um, Watson has been on fire lately, but he'll have to do it on the run. It's not likely that you have two better starters than Watson, but Watson is just a super flex for me. He's not a top 12 quarterback. I actually would take other guys over him that have, uh, you know, probably lower, fo- uh, you know, higher floors rather. Um, guys like uh, Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, and Eli Manning. These are guys I'm going to play over Watson in this matchup. Hasn't been a good matchup. Watson has struggled a little bit. So those are guys that I would start over. I'm giving a yellow light to guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and Lamar Miller. Look, the Colts have been excellent against wide receivers, which, again, you know, what were your expectations for guys like uh, Hopkins and Will Fuller, who's been great so far this season? Um, I love Hopkins as a low-end wide receiver one, and Fuller is a wide receiver two for me. I mean, he almost got a green light. Uh, based on the overall expectations of them, but uh, you know there's a chance here that uh, only one of the two receivers can get you fantasy numbers. It's going to be hard to know which one, whether that's Hopkins or Fuller. Um, so I, I would I would proceed with caution on both those guys. Um, even though the two guys will combine for almost as you know uh, all of the targets there in Houston, um, I don't know that they're going to be quality targets. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, Manny Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders, Sammy Watkins are all guys I would start over DeAndre Hopkins this week. Um, Kenny Stills, Tyler Lockett, and Sterling Shepard are guys I'd start over Will Fuller. But I'll uh, take Will Fuller over guys like Allen Robinson, John Brown, and Golden Tate. Uh, look, Lamar Miller has a nice matchup against a soft run defense, but this offensive line just can't open holes for him. And the Texans keep abandoning the run game early. They're also giving Alfred Blue some carries. I think Lamar Miller is a flex play at best, though I'd start pretty much any top 50 wide receiver over him in a PPR. I'd rather take Sony Michelle or Jay Ajayi over him, assuming Ajayi plays. I would even take a shot with Royce Freeman in a shootout over uh, Lamar Miller at this point. Uh, well, let's go to the indie side of things. Look, Andrew Luck does not have a bad matchup against a pretty average Houston secondary. The only problem is, is Luck is going to have to Nicholas Dime, no fantasy production. And the reason why he's going to have to do that is because that Houston Texans can put pressure on the quarterback. This Colts offensive line is is improved from last year, but they are still nowhere to uh, near being a an elite unit. So Luck is going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. Um, he's averaging less than ten yards per attempt already, and his long is around twenty five yards. Look, it makes life that much easier for a defense when you don't have to defend the deep ball, and it's just hard to accumulate a respectable yardage total at, you know, five to eight yards a pop. So besides the high upside guys I keep mentioning, now I'd also prefer guys like Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles over Andrew Luck this week. Um... Look, there might be enough meat on the bone, though, for a guy like T.Y. Hilton to scratch together some decent numbers. I'd say it was a wide receiver, too. I'm yellow-lighting him since he really needs a touchdown, in my opinion, to get those numbers. I'm okay with him as a high-end flex play. Uh, I'd still start him over Will Fuller, and I'd start him over guys like Golden Tate, but I'd rather take a shot. With guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Sammy Watkins, uh, Mario McIlwainly makes his debut this se- uh, his season debut in this game, and all he does is muddy the waters for the Colts' backfield. I'm red lighting all the Colts' running backs, um, the, the entire unit. Um, you know, Chris Ivory and Frank Gore—guys that I would rather start over any of those. Uh, Colts backs. So, let's get to the next game. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. Look, Ryan Fitzpatrick gets this start, but the question is, how long is that leash? We saw some chinks in the armor against Pittsburgh. I mean, there were some passes. Looked like they were right to steal our defenders early in the game. Later in the game, he tried to kind of put it together, made a push at the end to get that victory, and he looked a whole lot better. Um, but you still got to wonder, Jameis Winston is back, and now he's on the bench. How long of a leash does Ryan Fitzpatrick have? Look, the Bears have an excellent pass rush, an opportunistic secondary that is second in the league in interceptions so far this year. Uh, Look, they can be beat, and these wide receivers are actually going to test them like they haven't been tested yet this season. So, not worried about Fitzpatrick's opportunity, but part that compels me to knock Fitzpatrick down a little in my rankings is the possibility that he gets pulled if the Bucks fall behind or, you know, if he throws a few, you know, early interceptions that don't look so good, um, you know, there's a chance now that you have a legitimate uh, number two quarterback on your bench in Jameis Winston that you've started previously. Um, so I- I'm a little hesitant here. I'm still starting him as a low-end QB1. Um, for me, I-, I you know, his numbers say he should be high end QB1, but I'm starting him as a low-end QB1. The matchup is tough and Jameis Winston is back. It gives me a little bit of a pause to see how everything's going to play out there. Um, I, I, I mean, like you, if you have him, me starting for you. I mean, unless you have a combo of studs like, you know, Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers or Breeze and, uh, you know, an upside play this week like Flacco, uh, you know, Keenum and Eli Manning um, are guys that you can consider starting over them. I don't know that I would, but you can consider that. Um, yeah, moving forward, I'm I'm red whiting all, all the Tampa Bay backs. Well, Peyton Barber is getting all the work, even though he he, he hasn't been good, and that uh, all the work hasn't hasn't been a lot. I mean he he hasn't had a whole lot of carries, and uh, and so I I I just wouldn't feel comfortable starting any of Tampa Bay's running backs. Um, as far as uh, the wide receiving options, I'm starting Mike Evans. He's a wide receiver one to me. Um, I'm going to give a yellow-white to Chris Godwin and to Deshaun Jackson. Look, Godwin continues to emerge as a strong two, uh, as a strong number two option. um, You know, opposite Mike Evans and Vince loves going deep. You know, a few times a game, which is why you know Deshaun Jackson has some value. Chris Godwin made some errors in that Pittsburgh game, but he made up for it with some nice catches later in the game. Look, I prefer Chris Godwin's volume. to Deshaun Jackson's deep shots, uh, but they're both butts-worthy. I'd start them over guys like uh, Mari Cooper, Marvin Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, um, and, and, you know, a lot of running backs, too, this week. Um, I would, however, take Tyler Boyd, James White, John Brown, On Johnson over any of those guys this week, though. Um, let's go to the Bears side. You know, Trubisky just straight-up hasn't looked very good so far this year. He hasn't. He hasn't lived up to some of the high expectations that we had for him coming into the year. Um... And, and that's been a little bit disappointing. Look, Nick Foles has a higher passer rating, and Trubisky only has two passing touchdowns so far. So, look, I can't start him with a lot of confidence here, even in a nice matchup. He's a low-end starter in a super flex for me, but because the matchup is so good, he is startable. Um, you know, I mean, you got two rookies starting in the secondary for Tampa Bay this game. But, look, I'd rather see what Baker Mayfield can do against the Raiders. Um, I would take Ryan Tannenhill and Derek Carr over Trubisky this week. I mean, there are guys that I would use over Trubisky, but if you have to use them, this is a decent matchup, and, and this might be the chance to actually get some points out of them. So um, th- it'll be interesting to see what Trubisky, if he can take advantage of this good matchup that he has. Look, I'll give Allen Robinson a yellow light. Even though I- I'm not excited at all about starting him, look, he's a 28th. This is the 28th best defense against wide receivers. Uh, I don't see Robin as more, uh, Robinson rather as more than a flex play. Look, he gets about 10 targets a game, but he's barely a top 30 wide receiver for me this week. The problem is, is only half those targets end up being catchable. And, you know, we use Robinson with about 65 yards a game. He doesn't get any touchdowns, and he's going to get Tampa Bay's best cover corner in Brett Grimes. So, uh, that shouldn't scare you too much, but still... You know, when you're getting the number one cornerback and you're getting, you know, 10 targets and maybe six of them are catchable, you, you don't really have a whole lot of opportunity to put up big numbers if you're a guy like Allen Robinson, who's, uh, you know, yards after catch or yards per catch is not going to be elite um, just because of the type of wide receiver he is. And what young Mitchell Trubisky, um, that, that's still his quarterback, that's still the guy he's relying on, and I, I don't feel so comfortable with that. So, look, I'll take Will Fuller, I'll take Tyler Lockett, Sterling Shepard, Nelson Aguilar over him this week. Um, I'd even flex guys like James White and Kerry on Johnson over on my team. Look, I'm giving a green light, though, to Jordan Howard and the Trey Burton. Those guys are must-starts uh, at their respective position in nearly the best possible matchup for each position. So I'm starting those guys for sure. So let's go on to the next game. We have the Jets and the Jaguars. The Jaguars' defense is suffocating. It's averaging only 186 passing yards against per game and 115 rushing yards against per game. Meanwhile, The Jets' defense surrenders just over 229 passing yards per game and about 102 yards per game on the ground. Look, neither one of these offenses has a great matchup, so let's go ahead and start with the Jets. With the Jets, I'm going to give a yellow light to Bilal Powell and to Isaiah Crowell. Look, I don't really like the matchup for anybody on the Jets, to be totally honest with you, but if somebody is going to score, I would say it's probably either Bilal Powell or Isaiah Crowell, and... If history shows us anything, at least so far, in the first three weeks, it'll probably be Crowell. They like, the Jets like using Isaiah Crowell on the other goal line. It seems like he's the guy that gets those goal line carries more than Paul does. So I would say, I, I, I would probably say start Crowell a little bit over Powell. Even though Powell seems to get the majority of the carries, I don't think yardage is going to get it uh, get it done for you in this game if you're starting either one of these options. I think you have to bank on a touchdown. And again, if the Jets are going to score a touchdown against the Jags, I think it's going to be on the ground. I'm giving a red-white to Sam Darnold, Quincy Anunua Terrell Pryor, Any passing option that's on the Jets, this Jaguars defense has been as good as advertised. Last week, they were at their best. Even though they lost the game, they gave up nine points. Three field goals to the Tennessee Titans. They looked really good. They even knocked starting quarterback Blaine Gabbert out. He was out. Uh, with a concussion. So, I mean, this Jacksonville Jaguar defense is really, really, really good. They're living up to the bill, and I don't like any of these Jets options. The Jets offense has been struggling lately anyways. I'm not starting any of them, to be honest with you. Again, I'll give a yellow light to Will Powell and Isaiah Crowell. That's if you need a touchdown. I still wouldn't feel comfortable relying on either one, though. So let's go to the Jack side. And you know what? The Jets defense has been surprisingly good this year too. This could be a very low-scoring game. I'm giving a yellow light to Blake Bortles and to Keelan Cole. And look, here's why. I think Keelan Cole is the number one option for Blake Bortles. I think this week it finally kind of gets established that he's the number one option. Look, uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, the the main concern that I have uh, with some of these guys like Dante Moncrief is, boy, he's just not holding on to the ball. I mean, not only does he have a few drops, but he also is fumbling. I had, had, had a very costly fumble in that last game. I think Keenan Cole's the guy that uh, they're, they're slowly learning, uh, is the guy that uh, that they can trust. That wasn't what I thought would would be the case coming into the season, but it looks like that is the case moving forward. So I'm going to give a yellow light to Blake Bortles. Look, uh, the Jets do allow 229 passing yards per game. We don't know. Right now, 1004 Fournette is a game-time decision. We're not sure if he's going to play or not. Even if he does, he's not going to be 100%. This rushing defense for the Jets has been pretty decent. Uh, like we said, they're giving up... Uh, only 100 102 yards per game on the ground. That's better than Jacksonville's 115 yards per game on the ground. And both of them are pretty good. So, um, so I, I with that being said, I think uh, if Jacksonville's going to move the ball in the Jets, they're going to have to do it through the air for the most part. I think that that uh, has Bortles putting up some decent numbers and Keenan Cole as well. I don't love either option, but uh, if you have to start either one, I would I would start those two. Um, I, I am also giving a, uh, a yellow-white to Austin Safarian Jenkins. This is a good matchup against the Jets' defense. They, uh, they don't cover the tight end so well all the time, so I think this might be a matchup where ASJ actually gets going. We haven't seen him get going really this year. Um, I'm going to give a red-white to all of the running backs. Uh, for Jacksonville. One of Fournette, look, if he plays, that's great. I don't know if he's going to be 100%. I don't know what his role is going to be, and that's going to be the problem for guys like T.J. Yelton and Corey Grant. What is their role going to be? I think it's all going to be based around One of Fournette and his health. I don't feel comfortable starting any of those guys unless I hear otherwise on game day that Fournette not only is healthy, but he is ready to carry the full workload. If I hear something like that, maybe then I change my mind and I put Fournette into the yellow category. white But as of right now, I got him in the red-white. Same thing with guys like Dante Moncrief. Any of the other receiving options I haven't mentioned for the Jacksonville Jaguars, get the red-white there. Let's go to the next game. We got the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers. With the Buffalo Bills defense is giving up a staggering 271 passing yards per game. Uh, But they also average a very strong 81 rushing yards per game. It's clear how to beat the Buffalo Bills. You've put the ball in the air. Now, on the other hand... Packers defense is allowing a crazy 272 passing yards per game and their running defense oh it's much worse they are uh, averaging a high mark of 124 rushing yards per game giving up against so this game, definitely, uh, the, the, the only defense looks like it's going to be played is the Bills' rushing defense. So, we're going to start with the Packers. We are going to give a green light to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this Buffalo defense, passing defense is not very good. Um, we did see last week that the Buffalo defense against Minnesota was able to put some pressure on Kirk Cousins. So, we'll see if they can do that with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, again, not 100% back there, um, dealing with an injury that could... Uh, could decrease his mobility, but so far from what we've seen, Aaron Rodgers is going to be fine. That offensive line has been decent, um, so I think Aaron Rodgers is a green light. Devontae Adams is a green light. I'm giving a green light to Jimmy Graham. This is the matchup to use him in. If Aaron Rodgers is going to score and score three, four touchdowns, which hey, we got to assume if they're going to score, they're going to score through the air because its Buffalo rush defense has been so good. I think Jimmy Graham may be the beneficiary of one or two of those. So I really like Jimmy Graham a lot this this week. This is the week to start him. He's disappointed so far this year. I don't think that's the case in this game. I'm giving a yellow light to Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison. I like both these plays, but I just don't see them having the volume or the touchdown upside of Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham. I would start them. I just wouldn't expect huge things out of them. Just expect them to continue kind of their role, I guess, with Cobb and Allison. I'm giving a red light to Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, any of the running backs there in Green Bay, uh, T.Y. Hilton as well. Um, this doesn't, the the game script just looks like it's going to call for a lot of passing. That's what the Bills defense seems to be giving you. That's pretty much what teams are doing against them. And, hey, I think the Packers are all too happy to oblige to that. They don't like running the ball an awful lot anyways. So I think that's what's going to happen in this game. The Green Bay Packers are going to beat the Buffalo Bills by throwing the ball. As far as the Bills go, hey, look, I'm giving a green light to LaShawn McCoy he made it very clear that he is starting. He is ready to be out there. He is going to get a full workload. I'm giving him the green light. This Green Bay rushing defense has been terrible. If you're the Buffalo Bills, the only way to kind of keep this close, in my opinion, is to keep that Packer offense off the field. The way you do that is by sustaining drives, running the clock. I think LaShawn McCoy gets a, uh, a, a sees a really good workload here and uh, ends up with some some quality numbers, I'm giving a yellow light to guys like Josh Allen, Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, and Andre Holmes. The reason why I'm doing that is look, even I'm sorry, even Charles Clay, if he plays, he is questionable and uh, more of a game time decision than LaShawn McCoy is. But if if he plays, he's getting the yellow light as well. And the reason being is this Packers defense has been terrible. They haven't been able to stop anyone. They haven't been able to stop anyone on the ground or through the air. Josh Allen isn't a guy that I'm starting over a ton of guys, but I tell you what, the Superflex League, maybe towards the bottom, maybe if I don't have a better option, I'm considering a guy like Josh Allen just because the Packers' defense is so bad, and if the Packers do get up a lot, the Bills may have to abandon the running game, and then, you know, you see guys like Josh Allen, Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, Andre Holmes the guy who's been catching touchdowns there, Um, I, I could see those guys having some increased value just because I could see the attempts going up. Um, that doesn't mean that that hurts LeSean McCoy. He's a good pass catching back, and he'll stay in there on pass catching down. So, um, But that that would be how I would proceed with the Bills and Packers game. So let's go to the Detroit and Dallas games. We have the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. Look, Detroit's defense is surrendering 179 yards per game through the air, which so far this season is is really good. And They are giving up a whopping 149 rushing yards per game, though. Their rushing defense has been terrible. The game script has pretty much been run, run, run against the Detroit Lions, and that's how you beat them. So um, when we look at the Dallas defense, the Cowboys defense giving up 210 passing yards per game and a modest 98 uh, rushing yards per game on the ground. This defense has actually been surprisingly pretty good. Uh, I think everybody thought that they were capable of it, but... uh, they, they have they've lived up to that. They, you know, this Dallas defense has been pretty good, keeping them in games while that offense has really struggled. So let's start with the Detroit side. I'm giving a green light to Matthew Stafford, to Kenny Galladay. Um, those two guys in the passing game, I'm giving a green light to. And really the reason being is because the Cowboys' rush defense is so good, you almost have to throw the ball if you're going to move the ball against the Dallas Cowboys. And that's something that the uh, Detroit Lions will oblige all too much. So Matthew Stafford and his number one wide receiver, Kenny Galladay, at least it appears to be through three weeks, this appears to be the guy that he's targeting more than anyone. I think these are the guys that I have the highest upside to. I also see Kenny Galladay as being the biggest red zone threat of any of the receivers there in Detroit, so I like his chances of scoring a touchdown as well. Matthew Stafford always seems to put up numbers. I think he's going to do so again in a good matchup. He's on the road in Dallas, though, um, so I could see them having to pass the ball a lot just because I could see the running game not getting going. However, I'm going to give a yellow light to Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and uh, on Johnson, and the reason why I'm doing that is what well, Carryon Johnson looked apart last week. He looked great playing in New England, um, and and that's just it. I think Detroit is going to give him the ball a whole lot more. I think Carryon Johnson gets an opportunity to run away with this job. This Dallas rush defense has been pretty good, but. This, Carry-on Johnson looked really good, too. So something's got to give here. I'm not too sure which. I, I think carry on Johnson I'm starting is probably a mid-to-low-end uh, running back two here. Um, I, I'm giving him a, a start over a flex, flex play because I think that he can put up some good numbers. I also think he probably ends up with a touchdown here as long as he doesn't get vultured by LeGarrett, Gary Blount. Um, as far as the other yellow light goes, uh, Golden Tate Marvin Jones. Uh, All three of these wide receivers have been valuable so far. All three of them have been fantasy-relevant. I think that that can continue, but one of these weeks, someone's going to fall off, and I just don't know who it's going to be. I have more confidence that it will not be Kenny Galladay than I do these other two. Golden Tate sees a lot of short passes. He ends up making a lot of yards after the catch. I don't know that that's always a sustainable uh, model, for putting up positive fantasy points. We'll see if this is the game that catches up with him. And then you got Marvin Jones, who doesn't see the targets that the other two do. Um, he really relies on a, a, a huge uh, yards per catch. And I'm not too sure if this is the game that that catches up with them. If they don't connect on one or two of those passes that they normally connect on with him and Stafford, um, it could be a long game for Marvin Jones. So I'm uh, giving them a yellow light. I think they have a decent matchup. However, I would proceed with caution on those guys. I'm giving a red light to Detroit's tight ends. I'm giving a red light to, like, Garrett, Gary Blunt. Um, you're giving them done the red light. Look, Gary Johnson looks so good. Well, Garrett Blount's got to be on his way out. I, I, that's really the way I see it here, um, and I think this is the, the the game script and the game flow and everything that's working against him. Um, I'm going to give him a red-white. Um, one more yellow-white I'm going to give is to Theo Riddick. Um, Detroit's going to have to pass the ball. Theo Riddick's good at catching the ball out of the backfield. If you're in a PPR format, I could see him getting four or five receptions for you know 30, 35, 40 yards and being at least flex-worthy, so I would give him a yellow-white. As far as the Dallas side goes, I am my start of the week is on the Dallas Cowboys. I'm giving the green light to Ezekiel Elliott, but this Detroit run defense is, is is horrid. It's really really bad, and I am starting any running back that's going against it for the time being, especially one as talented as Ezekiel Elliott. Now, even though Dallas's offense has struggled, Zeke Elliott's numbers have not. He's actually been really good so far to start the year. Uh, I don't think that that changes here. I think he has a plus matchup. Um, he's at home against a Detroit running defense that is terrible. So, I really like Zeke a lot. I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to rely on him early and often, not only in the running game, but also with the short passing game as well. Giving a yellow light to guys like Dak Prescott and Tavon Austin, and look, it's hard to rely, and, and I'm sorry, and Cole Beasley. Look, it's hard to rely on any other options outside of those guys. I mean, Zeke, uh, Prescott, Tavon Austin, and Cole Beasley have been the only guys that you can even rely on a little bit. Cole Beasley's leading the team in receiving, and he's averaging less than 45 receiving yards a game. I mean, that's how scary that is, but he's leading the team in receiving, so I, if they're going to get a touchdown through the air, you got to think Cole Beasley might be a guy that, uh, that gets that touchdown. Tavon Austin's another guy. He's been he, He's had a few big plays, really, and that's been rushing, receiving, that sort of thing. Can he continue that? I don't know. But I'm giving him a yellow light only because right now this Dallas offense is struggling. Outside of Zeke, if there's anybody else that's going to be have have a, at least a high ceiling, it's going to be Tavon Austin. So I'm going to put him in there. And as far as Dak Prescott goes, look, e- eventually he has got to get better or he's going to find himself sitting on the bench. you got to think, right? I mean... How long did the Dallas Cowboys have to just keep throwing him out there if he's going to keep putting up trash numbers? I, I can't think it's going to happen too often um, outside of this game, so I, I think that he's going to have to step up his game. I think this game you start seeing some strides for Dak Prescott. I don't think you're going to see 300 passing yards right away and you know four touchdowns, but I do think that you'll start seeing some strides. He'll hit that 200 mark at least. Um, you know, he'll have a higher completion percentage and he'll take care of the ball, which really needs to be done there with Dallas' defense playing the way they are. Next matchup we're going to go to is the Eagles and the Titans. The Eagles enter this one giving up a pedestrian 272 passing yards per game. Not very good. And a solid run defense, though, allowing only 62 rushing yards per game. The game script pretty easy. Hey, if you're going to beat the Eagles, you're going to do it through the air. Now, let's go to the Tennessee defense. They come into this one sporting a passing defense allowing 232 passing yards per game. Not terrible. And a below average 118 rushing yards per game. So... It looks like the way to beat the uh, the, the Tennessee Titans is on the ground. Um, they do have some passing yards, so I mean you can do it through the air. But boy, 118 rushing yards per game really showed you that their rushing defense is struggling. I'm giving a green light to Jay Ajayi. if he plays. If he doesn't, it's going to be Corey Clement, and uh, I will give him the green light. Um, I really think that those one of those two guys is going to have a, uh, a lot of opportunity in this game, and I can see scores coming from one of those two guys. Ajayi, if he plays, Clement, if Ajayi doesn't, um, which right now we are unclear on whether or not Ajayi is going to play. I'm giving a yellow light to guys like Carson Wentz. Look, he was a little rusty last week. Not terrible, but a little rusty. I kind of want to see how he comes out this week. Nelson Aguilar, I'm giving a yellow light, um, and really a lot of this is because of Alshon Jeffrey. We don't know if he's gonna play or not again. He's another game time decision. Um, if he plays, I'm giving him the yellow light. Zach Ertz yellow white. Wendell small with a yellow white. If JHI does not play, um, I could see him vulturing a touchdown possibly, uh, so I definitely think that the Eagles have some startable options. I wouldn't expect you know uh, the Eagles to light the world on fire. This Tennessee defense overall has been pretty decent, um, but I, I also uh, would say that you know running the ball is the way to the way to beat these teams um, if they are running that RPO, you know the true RPO, not the RPO that they're calling on on television where every. Play action pass as an RPO. But the the true RPO, if they're running that true RPO, I think that only helps the running game as well. Um, I could see guys like Ajayi or Corey Clement, depending on who's starting and who's playing, um, really doing well. Um, As far as the Tennessee Titans go, look, I am giving a yellow light to Deion Lewis. Um, He's the only player I am giving a yellow light to. I'm giving no one a green light in the Tennessee Titans. Uh, And really, the only reason why I'm giving a yellow light to Deion Lewis, is because he is so good at catching the ball out of the backfield. I feel like that 272 passing yards per game, the Eagles are giving up. You would think that the Tennessee passing options would be a little bit more prevalent. The reason why they're not is because of Marcus Mariota. Look, we keep hearing rumors about Mariota and that injury. It's not good. He's he's having some trouble uh, right now. and uh, I've even heard that he's having trouble feeling his fingers. So, I mean, if your quarterback's having trouble feeling his fingers on his throwing arm man, we're we're in trouble. So I'm giving a red light to Marcus Mariota, Corey Davis, um, Tywon Taylor, uh, Derrick Henry, Janu Smith, all those guys. I'm giving a red light to – I don't expect a big game from them. Look, they struggled against Jacksonville, um, and I think they're going to struggle against Philadelphia, too, this week. They're they're just too beat up, and that's my problem with it. I could see D.L. Lewis and the short passing game um, being successful uh, at times, but that's about it, so – yeah, to me, the Tennessee Titans are going to be a team that I'm probably staying away from more than not uh, this week. Uh, let's go to the next game. We have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Atlanta Falcons. What, uh, the Cincinnati defense is allowing a putrid 282 passing yards per game entering this matchup and a terrible, a dismal 124 rushing yards per game. Uh, I, I mean, this defense has not been good, at least yardage wise. Uh, meanwhile the Atlanta Falcons entering this matchup are averaging they're giving up 288 passing yards per game I, I mean that's awful and a staggering 126 rushing yards per game so you know what this tells me ding, ding 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 we are gonna have points put on the board ladies and gentlemen so I'm giving a green light to Matt Ryan Julio Jones Calvin Ridley Austin Hooper Tevin Coleman I am giving them all a green light they should have a monster game. That's Bengals' secondary's beat up. You can throw the ball against them. Matt Ryan's coming off a great game uh, against the Saints where he threw a bunch of touchdowns, a bunch of yards, and I don't see them slowing down any. I am calling it right here. You're hearing it now. Are you guys ready? Here is my bold prediction. Julio Jones is going to have a touchdown this week, guys. It's Julio Jones's week. He's going to get the yardage. He's going to get that touchdown. He's going to make owners very, very happy. Calvin Ridley's still going to be worth owning. He's still going to be used highly. Austin Hooper's a guy. Even I'm even high on Austin Hooper. It's a guy who uh, it finally seems like Atlanta is using that tight end position a little bit. Austin Hooper's been a little uh, been valuable for the first few weeks. I don't think anything changes against Cincinnati. They're not good against tight ends. Roll Austin Hooper out there if you got to. I'd be happy starting him. And Tevin Coleman's another guy. I mean they. they Look, Cincinnati can't even stop the run. So, I mean, if, if I'm in Atlanta, I'm, I'm using all options, man. Full go. I'm giving a yellow run to Mohammed Sanu. I just don't know about the usage. Um, it looks like he's the uh, third or fourth passing option there, uh, behind uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley for sure, and maybe even behind Austin Hooper. So I, I don't know that I expect huge things from him, but in this plus matchup, man, I wouldn't even mind too terribly having to roll him out there. So um, let's not forget this is a revenge game, too. This is his old team. I'm sure he kind of wants to have a little something-something for uh, for the Bengals here. I know it was a little bit ago, but still. Um, okay, so now let's move to the Cincinnati side of the ball. Look, same same thing, right? I mean, Atlanta's defense is struggling. I'm giving a green light to Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Eifert. Joe Mixon, if he plays, which we hear there's an outside chance he may play this week. If not, Gio Bernard gets that green light. I mean, I, look, with all these options, they all get the green light. Look, Andy Dalton has looked pretty good so far. A.J. Green might be a little bit banged up, but I'm sure he is looking at this banged-up Atlanta secondary going, no, I think I can play, guys. I think I'm going to go. I think I can be a go here because he could put up some monster numbers. Tyler Boyd, we saw, you know, he, his usage is getting better and better. We saw last week, and uh, I, I think uh, he's going to be the number two receiver as far as targets go. I can see him having a very nice week as well. Tyler Eifert, you know, he's still still healthy, so he's a, he's a part of this passing game. I can see him doing really well. And again, either of those running backs, either Mixon or Geo, Mixon starts definitely rolling him out there with confidence. I know that he may not be 100%. He may not be full go. He may not get workhorse carries, but he may not need them against his defense. He may only need 10 to 12 carries to be fantasy relevant. Um, if he doesn't play, then that gives Geo a firm green light. Um, you know, he, he definitely took over that Belkow share uh, carries uh, last week with Mixon out. So um, I'd feel comfortable starting Gio Bernard if Mixon is out. Giving a yellow light to John Ross, and I would give a yellow light to Gio Bernard if Mixon does play. I think he'll get less attempts, but I still think he can be fantasy relevant in this one. This is a great matchup. So let's move on now. Uh, The next game we're going to look at is the Cleveland Browns and the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Cleveland enters this tilt, allowing 249 passing yards per game and a solid mark of 109 rushing yards per game uh, allowed on the ground. Oakland coming in, allowing 265 passing yards per game and a mark of 116 rushing yards per game allowed. So um, neither one of these defenses is terrible. Neither one is great either. So uh, I tell you what. From the Browns' point of view, I'm giving a green light to Baker Mayfield. The Oakland Raiders are going to have very little bit of tape on him. They can try to do what they want with exotic blitzes. But let's be honest, the Oakland Raiders are struggling, struggling big time. To get pressure on the quarterback to do anything defensively, and it's it's evident because you know uh, they're under a microscope with the Khalil Mack trade, and they have not uh, they have not been good. So I don't know that changes here. So I'm giving a green light to Baker Mayfield. I think if you have him, um, he, he's a QB two option for sure. I, I I think I have my QB 18 this week. So firmly in that QB two discussion. Uh, Jarvis Landry is another guy who I'm giving a green light to. It looks like Baker Mayfield is putting the ball where it needs to be, and Jarvis Landry. Has sure hands. He's running good routes. He, he can catch the ball really well. And Carlos Hyde, I'm giving a green light to. Look, he he's still healthy. He's running the ball well. The SoCon rushing defense allowing 116 rushing yards per game um, is isn't, isn't great. I think uh, Carlos Hyde can be still uh, heavily involved in this uh, in this game and in this game plan. You have a rookie a quarterback, and you know if things start to get a little rough, or you know the game starts out a little, you know you're on the road here, and things start out a little bit uh, sideways. You can go to Carlos' side. You can rely on him, and I think that's what the Browns will do. Giving a yellow light to David Njoku, Antonio Callaway, and Rashard Higgins. Look, I just don't know with Baker Mayfield how he's going to use these guys. It looked like when he came in, David Njoku was a guy he was given some attention to, which is great for the Njoku owners. I think. Um, I, I think you know. I want to see one more week of it. I want to see a full week with a full game plan. See how that they uh, they use the Njoku there but it's encouraging. Antonio Callaway is the deep threat, man. This guy's the home run. Uh, if, if Baker Mayfield hits Antonio Callaway for a play or two, I mean, this guy could have over 100 yards and a touchdown or two. I mean, that's how big uh, I think they're thinking with Antonio Callaway. He's going to be a deep shot guy. He's going to be a guy who can make some catches along the sidelines. We've seen him. He's talented. As long as he keeps his nose clean, he's a guy who looks like he's going to be startable moving forward. Rashard Higgins, I'm giving a yellow light to as well, only because it seems like When they go three wide receiver sets, they like using him on the outside and winding Callaway up into the slot. And I really like Rashard Higgins. I think uh, he's he's proven himself to be pretty good when he's getting an opportunity. This Oakland passing defense, again, isn't great. I could see this game being a close game coming down to the end here. Um, And, you know, that's not really saying a whole lot because if you look at the Oakland Raiders, they've been weeding every snap uh, for the first three quarters. They haven't trailed a snap in the first three quarters of a football game. So, the Oakland Raiders tend to play close games. If you look at the Browns, they've been in... They had a tie week one. They lost to the Saints by three in week two. And, uh, you know, they they barely beat the Jets by four in week three. So uh, both these teams play a lot of close games. I can see this game being close. And so I could see... Um, I could see some relevance coming from both backs, too. So let's go to the Oakland Raiders. I give a green-white to Derek Carr. I give a green-white to Jared Cook, and I give a green-white to Marshawn Lynch. And look, the uh, the Browns defense hasn't been great against tight ends. I think Jared Cook has been fantastic this year. I could see that continuing, and I think Derek Carr is going to be a guy who can uh, spread the ball around. I think Jared Cook's going to be his main beneficiary, though. And so I could see both those guys putting up some good numbers. Marshawn Lynch, look, the running... Defense for the Browns shows that they've been pretty decent. However, uh, at home, I could see Marshawn Lynch vulturing some touchdowns here. So if the the Oakland Raiders are going to score, and I think they will, they'll score, uh, you know, in in my opinion, I think they'll score between 17 to 21 points. Uh, Marshawn Lynch may be the main beneficiary as far as touchdowns go. So I'm starting him, giving a yellow light to Jordy Nelson, um, and I'm giving a yellow light to uh, Amari Cooper. Look, man, Amari Cooper has not been good. If you look at the tape, you see uh, some, some really concerning things. Not only is he not blocking in the run game, he's quitting on some routes. Um, he, he just he doesn't look like he's fully invested in this team the way he needs to be. And I think John Gruden's going to see stuff like that, and I think that's why you see guys like Jody Nelson getting opportunity that Amari Cooper isn't. Um, so I'm a little worried about him. I'm not worried about the talent. I'm worried about the situation and kind of his attitude moving forward here. Um, and Jody Nelson, to me, is... A, is Look, I, the quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns have been pretty good, uh, especially Ward. And I'm not too sure. It, I don't think Ward's going to shadow. Um, I think he's just going to play a side of the field. So I think Nelson and Cooper are going to kind of get him a little bit in each, each matchup. So uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't love either one of those guys putting up big numbers. I think there's a pretty uh, low floor or uh, pretty low floor for those guys. So that's what scares me a little bit with that. Let's move on to the next game. We got. The Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. The Seahawks are averaging 232 passing yards per game against entering Week 4 and a poor rush defense along 133 rushing yards per game so far this season. Um, So it seems like the uh, the way to beat the Seattle Seahawks so far is by rushing the ball. Uh, Arizona, they're allowing an abysmal 276 passing yards per game, which you wouldn't expect with a guy like Patrick Peterson back there um, and they don't have a very good rush defense. They're allowing 131 rushing yards per game this season as well. So given that information, look, as far as Seattle goes, I'm giving a green-white to Russell Wilson. I'm giving a green-white to Chris Carson. Look, Russell Wilson can make plays with his feet. Chris Carson is going to be the primary back there. I know that he's questionable going into this, but all we keep hearing is it's more precautionary after he got 32 carries the week before. I could see him getting 20 to 25 carries again this week and being uh, really good against a, a, an Arizona rushing defense that is not good. Seattle finally came to their senses, and they fed Chris Carson the ball. They ignored Rashad Penny, and look what happened. They got a win. Oh, I would. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe those two things are related. So, you know, committing to the run... Uh, committing to Chris Carson, I think, was a good thing. I think that's a thing that Seattle sees now, and I think that'll be the, uh, the game plan moving forward. I'm giving a yellow light to Doug Baldwin. It looks like Doug Baldwin's going to play. That's what we're hearing. I don't know if he's going to play, but if he does, I'm giving him a yellow-white. I don't know how limited he's going to be, and that really is why I'm giving Tyra Lockett a yellow-white as well. I'm not too sure what the roles are going to be for these guys if Doug Baldwin does play, Um, and so I'm a little scared starting either one. I'm giving them both a yellow-white. Hey, they're both startable, but just proceed with caution. And then I'm giving Rashad Penny a yellow-white as well. Um, As far as the tight ends go, Will Disley, Nick Vanette, I'm giving them a red-white. I don't know which one of those guys is going to be usable from week in and week out. Um, Nick Vanette's starting to take on a larger role, but Will Disley to begin the year was the guy who they were going to, especially in the red zone. I don't I don't want any part of it, um, so I'm not going to start either of those tight ends. Um, so that's how I would approach Seattle. And then let's go to Arizona. I'm going to give a green light to Larry Fitzgerald and a green light to to David Johnson. And look, the reason why I'm giving a green light to Larry Fitzgerald is because and reports earlier he and Rosen are, are hooking up very nice. So um, I'm, I'm going to believe those reports. I'm going to say that, hey, look, this young quarterback is going to rely on his veteran wide receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, his future Hall of Fame wide receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, I, I, I think this is, this is kind of a no-brainer. That's where you go if you're, if you're Rosen and you're in trouble or you're looking to make a play, you go to Larry Fitzgerald. Um, but the secondary option there is David Johnson. Um, the Seattle rushing defense we discussed is not very good. David Johnson can finally have a game this game if they're going to feed him and they're going to be respectable in the passing game, make Seattle at least play the passing lanes so that way that opens up something for D.J. I think they will because I really like Josh Rosen. I, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Um, I think he's going to come in and make plays and make that passing game respectable. So uh, I'm saying D.J. is a green-white. We've been waiting for David Johnson to have that big game. This is the game, in my opinion. He's going to have a nice game. Start him. Um, giving a yellow light to Josh Rosen, again, a guy who I like a little bit. Seattle's defense can be tough. Pete Carroll, and then they they can game plan against, playing against a rookie quarterback. But I like the fact Josh Rosen's first NFL start is going to be at home. I think that gives him a little bit of comfort. Um, so I'm giving him a yellow light. Same thing with Christian Kirk. But these guys have worked together. Um, you know, with the second team in the uh, the preseason, they were working together, um, and they have some chemistry there. So I'm going to give him a yellow light as well. Same thing with uh, with Chad Williams. He's a guy who's been starting. He hasn't seen a lot of targets. But I, 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 we don't know what Rosen's going to do when he's in there that's different than what Bradford did. We don't know who's going to get those targets, who's going to get those shares. I'm assuming Fitzgerald's going to get most of the targets. But uh, outside of that, I don't know how those things are divvied up. And uh, so that's going to... Uh, uh, Get me uh, the, the same, I'm giving the same yellow light to Ricky Seals-Jones as well. Um, this is a guy who was heavily targeted by Sam Bradford. I don't know that that's the case with Dar- uh, with Rosen coming in. Um, I want to see it first. I'll give him a yellow light. I'll start him if I have to, but I'm not feeling great. I'm not not um, looking for huge things out of Ricky Seals-Jones this week just because I want to see how the target share is divided. Um, so let's go on to the next game. we got the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants. Look, the Saints enter this affair, sporting a terrible pass defense. They're allowing 346 passing yards per game. That's right, 346 passing yards per game. Woo. And a rush defense giving up only 84 rushing yards per game. So uh, the game script's pretty simple, guys. If you're playing the New Orleans Saints, throw, 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 throw. The Giants, meanwhile, they're averaging 240 passing yards per uh, per game against, and 111 rushing yards per game against, so Giants defense hasn't been terrible, while the Saints defense has been awful, but look, if, if if you're looking at the New Orleans Saints, it's really easy, you're giving a green light to Drew Brees, you're giving a green light to Michael Thomas, you're giving a green light to Alvin Kamara, those guys you're never benching, I, I don't care who they're playing, you're never benching them, they can be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm playing those guys no matter what, because they just... Get such a high volume of that offense. Drew Brees is throwing the ball an awful lot. And when he is, he's targeting Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara more than anybody else and it's not close. I'm giving a yellow light to guys like Ted Ginn Jr., uh, Cameron Meredith, Ben Watson, other options in that passing game. I'm giving a yellow light to, look, I would proceed because the Saints passing offense has been so good, but I wouldn't be expecting huge things. I mean, the the main target hogs sh- are Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Guys like Ted Ginn, Cameron Meredith, and Ben Watson normally are touchdown-reliant. They got to get that touchdown. Ted Ginn might be uh, the only uh, caveat there, if he gets a deep pass you know, or two um, and doesn't end up with a touchdown, he could still get some yardage to make him useful. But uh, I, I don't know that without a touchdown. I'm feeling very good about starting any of those guys. So uh, there's that. And then for the Giants, I mean, who aren't you? Ch- I'm giving a green light to Eli Manning, Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, even Saquon Barkley. I know that the running defense for the Saints has been good, but the Giants are going to throw the ball to Saquon Barkley too. Um, I mean, they they're they absolutely will. They like using him in the passing game. So, I mean, these guys, I am giving a green light to. Also, hey, look, Evan Ingram, unfortunately, looks like he's going to miss a couple weeks. You know, you can say Red Allison's a guy they're probably going to plug in there. I think Saquon Barkley is a guy who, hey, instead of throwing it to to you know the tight end like we were let's throw it you know let's let's give some more some more targets to Sterling Shepard let's give some more targets to Saquon Barkley that sort of thing so I can see those guys benefiting the most from uh, from that injury which is an unfortunate one hopefully Evan Ingram makes his way back on the field pretty quick here I got a bet with Bobby that I need to win um, so he's got to be healthy for that bet and uh, continue to underperform that's that's what I need from him so um, let's go on to the Sunday night game. Sunday night game, we have the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is always a fun game to watch. Smash-mouth football. Well, I don't know if we have smash-mouth football anymore. You can't really touch the quarterback. But, hey, if it's going to be smash-mouth, it's going to be during this game. There might be a lot of penalty flags. There might even be some vines thrown around because these two teams traditionally like to hit each other. However, these two teams have a different makeup. So let's look at the Rams first. The Rams defense, they're averaging uh, 185 passing yards per game allowed, and and that's pretty good. They're also averaging 104 rushing yards per game allowed against, so that's not bad either. Ravens defense has been pretty good. The Steelers defense, hey, they're giving up 311 yards uh, passing yards per game uh, against and 122 rushing yards per game against. So, look, if you look at these defenses, obviously the Steelers defense is much, much worse, but the Steelers uh, offense, rather, has been very, very good. So, something's got to give here, right? So, let's start with the Ravens' offense, look, I'm giving a green light to Joe Flacco. Love his matchup this week against a Pittsburgh defense that I mean, they they, I, they can't stop anything. You know, I mean, they they are they're that bad. Um, And yes, I'm starting uh, giving a green light to Joe Flacco, giving a green light to John Brown, who seems to be his go-to guy so far. I'm giving a green light to Michael Crabtree, who I still think is their number one wide receiver there. I'm even giving a green light to Alex Collins because, hey, look, you can run the ball against Pittsburgh, Um, and I think Alex Collins is the guy who's most likely to get a touchdown. This could be a higher scoring game. I like those Ravens. I'm giving a yellow light to both tight ends, Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews. Those, either one of those guys could end up with a touchdown, but you're really relying on a touchdown if you're starting them. So I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Giving a yellow light to Willie Snead, who seems like he's starting to become more and more involved in this passing game, but I just don't know how much I can rely on him. And I'm giving a yellow light to Buck Allen, who, I mean, has, has been usable. He's been decent in the passing game, and he's, he's scored a few touchdowns. So um, he might sneak up and surprise some people, but I think with Alex Collins getting a green light from me, i got to give Buck Allen the yellow and then, hey, let's, let's take a look at Pittsburgh. Look, if you have Big Ben, if you have Antonio Brown, if you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you're starting those guys, especially if you have Big Ben and he's playing at home. Because, I mean, if you're going to bench him, you're going to bench him on the road. You're not going to bench him at home. He's at home this week. Um, you got you got to play Big Ben. I'm giving them the green light. Go ahead and do it. Look, I, I know that they're playing a tough defense, but I, I'm telling you, I, I haven't seen... Any signs that this offense is going to slow down, those are the main main beneficiaries, in my opinion. Um, it's, it's the passing game. I mean, uh, this I'm giving a green light to those guys, and uh, I'm probably starting them no matter who they play. To be honest, I'm giving a yellow light to Vance McDonald and Jesse James, the tight ends, because of each other. We don't know which one to count on week in and week out. It was Jesse James early. It was Vance McDonald last week. Uh, I'm just not going to not going to roll the dice on one of these two and hope that it's their week, um, unless I absolutely have to. So, uh, tight end is a tough position. You might not have any better options if you do. Hey, hold your nose, put them in there, and just hope for the best. Hope that this is their week, because uh, it seems like one of them is useful uh, each and every week. I'm also giving a yellow light to James Conner. I don't love the matchup for James Conner here. The Baltimore rushing defense has been really good. Uh, Traditionally, they do a good job against the uh, the running game of the Steelers. So I I don't love James Conner in this one. Um, but he, he will still be involved a little bit in the passing game, too, so I would give him the yellow light. I would say, hey, start uh, Just just proceed with caution with him. I wouldn't expect huge things. All right, so let's go to the last matchup of the week. We have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. The Kansas City defense is allowing a league-high 376 passing yards per game against. Wow, that defense is terrible through the air. They're also allowing 111 rushing yards per game. Um, against on the ground. So uh, they could definitely be had on both sides of the ball. The Denver defense is allowing 288 passing yards per game, which isn't very good. Um, But entering this division matchup, they are giving up a low mark of 78 rushing yards per game. So you know what that means. Hey, let's take a look at the Kansas City offense. Green light to Patrick Mahomes. Green light to Tyreek Hill. Green light to Travis Kelsey. Green light to Sammy Watkins. Guess what else? I'm also giving a green light to Kareem Hunt. Look, I'm not doing it because I think he's going to have... Huge numbers in the rushing game. I do, however, feel like he is going to um, be involved in the passing attack in this game. I also feel like he can he can vulture a touchdown here. I mean, normally, uh, Kareem Hunt has been doing that, so I think he's going to be useful um, in fantasy because of that. I don't see him having huge rushing numbers against this Denver rushing defense, which has been fantastic. But, I mean, this Kansas City offense, how do you bench any part of it? I mean, it's really difficult right now. They're putting up numbers. Uh, even, even Kareem Hunt, who yardage-wise isn't putting up great numbers, he's still fantasy useful because of the, some of the touchdowns he scored. I'm giving a yellow light to Chris Conley. This is a guy who I could see scoring too. But I just don't know, with all those green lights that I'm giving out, how many balls can go around. Patrick Mahomes has been great. This defense is a lot better than a lot of the defenses he's played, though. So we'll see. Kind of how this one goes, but I, I don't understand how you can not give a green light and start with uh, with optimism any of those Kansas City options till you see otherwise. As far as the Denver offense goes, hey, I'm giving a green light to Case Keenum. Um, I, I, I love him in this matchup. The Chiefs' passing defense is terrible. Uh, if the game script goes the way it should, they should be passing a lot, which means guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, who I'm also giving a green light to, should benefit uh, big time from that game script. So I could see both those guys putting up some big numbers. I'm also giving a green light to the number one running back in the Denver. That's right, Phillip Lindsay is getting the green light. I said number one running back. Phillip Lindsay's the guy, look, he's especially involved in the passing game. If this game script goes to where Denver's playing from behind, or even if they're not playing from behind, even if they just have to keep putting up points because the Chiefs' offense is that good, Phil Philip Lindsay is going to be the guy that's involved. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot, and I think that's the guy who's going to see most of the, the time on the field. I'm giving a yellow light to guys like Jeff Heuerman, who it looks like is going to be getting the start because of uh, the unfortunate injury to Jake Butt, going to be keeping him out for the rest of the year. Um, and Troy Fumigali is already on IR, so it looks like Jeff Hureman's going to be the guy. I'm giving him a yellow light. Um, I don't mind the matchup against Kansas City. I just want to see his usage move forward. Um, I know that Denver is high on him as a receiving tight end, but I just kind of want to see how they use him going forward. And um, lastly, I'm going to give a yellow light to Royce Freeman. i giving Royce Freeman the yellow light only because I can see this being a Philip Lindsay game. I mean, the game script kind of calls, that, calls for a uh, Philip Lindsay type thing. So, um, you know, philip Lindsay type game at least so i'm gonna go ahead and do that uh roll with him over royce freeman so that'll do it for week four's matchups i hope that i broke those down decent enough for everyone I'm, i'm no travis the beard i'm no john the crucified but uh i i was able to get my two cents on there so hopefully that helped out everyone please subscribe to the podcast if you can Um, that would be great wherever you listen subscribe to the podcast rate and review if you're on iTunes so it's rate reviews help us big time they help us uh, kind of you know expand our coverage and know what we should and should not be doing as far as bringing you the content that always helps us out a ton you can also subscribe to us uh, via the DLF family of podcasts you can go on DLF.com and do that as well also, send us your trades on Twitter, at Show is where you can find us. Send us those trades. We may rate and review those. We'll retweet those, too. And uh, oftentimes, we will have shows where we will review trades, and we may have your trade featured on the show where we go over it. I'd uh, like to give a thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for their use of the song, The Addiction. And as always, everyone, stay sexy and superflexy.